you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks on a Monday. DJ Bucky Rhett back with you guys. And, uh, man, that was interesting. That was an interesting weekend of football. Uh, Some wild games. We'll have a chance to break down the college stuff uh, later on in the week. But it is a Monday. And I don't even – like, a lot of times I'm like, okay, we are starting here. Uh, Buck, I don't even know where to start today because well, there's so much craziness that took place, right? I mean, you guys, I, I don't know where to start. It's crazy. I, I So I was on uh, game day highlights and game day final last night, and it was pretty clear. Uh, we're going to start with the team that scored 10 touchdowns. And so I am, uh, I was, I, I'm pretty excited uh, that Bucky's going to break down each and every one of those touchdowns for us here on this <laughs> podcast. And I think we'll get to the, the other 15 games tomorrow. So it, It's so unbelievable that, a team can score 70 points in an NFL game. And I've been to high school games and I can't imagine people scoring 70 points. Like you almost have to, in a high school game, like you have to not try to let someone score like 70 yeah. points. Like it's, it's really, it has to be either that big of a mismatch or your team just has to pack it in to give up 10 touchdowns in an NFL game while scoring 20 points. 350 me, on the ground, Buck. Three and 350 in the air. 726 total. I, I, I just don't understand. But, I mean, I'll say this. If you're Mike McDaniels, this is the offense that everyone has been afraid of. I mean, when you look yeah. at that tape and you watch this team go up and down the field, you look at the track stars that they have. And keep in mind, they didn't have Jaden Waddle. But that's okay. Devin, Devin A. Chain will just come in there and I'll show you that I am also a track star and I'll run for 200 yards and I'll put it in the paint from anywhere on the field. And Tua, don't worry about it, Tua. We can run it, but we still going to let you get your throws in and let you make sure that you're a fantasy legend. I mean, this is an unbelievable performance from an offense that we knew they had firepower, but I'm sure that every defense coordinator in the league is going to take a look at the tape and be like, what in the world? <laughs> like, how do you handle that? And before, I didn't want to say I dismissed the Dolphins. I thought their offense was, like, cute and those things. But now I'm like, I mean, can, can, can you really ride the offense? Like, they're riding it and make a big run. And Vic Fangio is everything to that defense. You now have a high-powered offense with a guy who understands how to play defense, and now he only has to hold serve. They're, look, they're a dangerous team. They are a very dangerous team. I think I think and we'll, and we'll go through all these games. We'll get there uh, in a minute. I think they're the best team in the AFC right now, based off what they've shown through three games, two on the yep. road. Then they come back and just demolish the Broncos. I, I will say one thing, and then we'll jump into these. But Rhett, I don't know if you've ever if you ever had just a terrible day at work, you know, and you you call your wife on the way home. You call you call Kana and you just go, "Gosh, it's just been a terrible day." And then you get home and she's made your favorite dinner. She's got you've got your favorite show all heat yeah. t-boat up and ready to go. I wonder if. Nathaniel Hackett got home last night 
and was just like, man, Zach Wilson, I mean, we can't move the ball. This is just, I don't know, are we going to survive? And then he gets home and there's a nice warm plate of cookies, a glass of milk, and that Denver Broncos <laughs> Miami game is just on the TV, just waiting for him to watch that thing. And just, hey, we'll pick you up a little bit. That's that's what I want to see when I get home. The worst coaching job in the history of sports. All, all I know is at least they had a good defense. Their offense wasn't any good, but the defense or the defense was really good. Now yeah, all of a sudden the offense year. still wasn't any good. Now the defense stinks. So Gosh, I, I don't know what to say right about now. that one. Train wreck. I mean, I mean it's probably bad. probably in the rule book why you don't trash other coaches, though. Just saying. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, football karma certainly came back to get uh, Sean Payton. I mean, in a major way. Or I, you were just setting this up, right? You were you're like, hey, look, man. Yeah, I, you know. Really? I got. I don't nothing. know what we're gonna do this year. I but I, you know, I didn't. I mean, best. I have to go back through the game logs, but I don't remember them giving up seventy points last year. Seventy. I have to go back and look I at mean, that, but. 7-0-70. Could have the uh, kid have I mean, kicked a field goal made it 73 in the NFL record? We're, but we're they, three games in, and by the way, the questions to Sean Payton on the conference call today with the media were, did you fire anyone? Whoa. Yeah, he's like, uh, no, and I wouldn't announce that on a conference call. Wow. Wow. Yeah. This is why this week is so bonkers, because we've got our rundown, and we haven't even jumped into it here. I know. Because it's crazy. All right, let's get started. Let's go to the games that uh, uh, Buck and I were at. We'll start with the Chargers-Vikings game. I joke with you guys every week. I've never called – I've been doing these games for six years for the Chargers. I've never called a boring game. I don't even know what that's like. What's it like to have like a three-touchdown win or a loss? I have no clue. Every game comes down to the very last possession. It's unbelievable, man. It's crazy. Uh, but they end up beating the Vikings 28 to 24. Uh, I'll get to some of the, the highlights and then I'll let, I'll let you guys jump in on, on the decision making because that was the big buzz in social media was Brandon Staley electing to go for it deep in his own territory late uh, to try and put the game away, which we'll get to and I'll get your guys' opinion on that. But before that, Justin Herbert's 40 47 for 405. Um, it was the, the year was like, oh, they didn't really run the ball. This was a classic case of you're going to play zero and you're going to play man. We're just why run the ball into a wall? I'm just gonna zip it out. We're gonna throw bubbles and, and quick screens all day long, make you tackle in space. We'll take those five, six, eight yards. And then and then now, God, I felt bad for Byron Murphy, man. I'm like, Byron Murphy, like, hey, dude, you you are alone with arguably the best route runner in the NFL and Keenan yeah. Allen. Like, there's other people that can be in the conversation. He's in the conversation. And you're gonna have two way goes against that dude with no help the whole day. And Keenan Allen cooked him to the tune of 18 catches and over two bills. Like he had, it, he had no chance. I don't know anybody, any corner is going to hold up out there with no help against that dude as, as polished as he is. And Herbert was just was just kind of dialed in. So they chucked it all over the place. The, the difference, too, and I saw a stat that got posted. You know, We'll get to the Cowboys' loss in, in a little bit. But the difference between Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, I think the Cowboys were number one in red zone last year. I think they're 27th now. It's been their Achilles heel. The Chargers went from way down the bottom of the league to they're up in the top 10 now. His, his yeah. creativity and ability to kind of finish drives in this game was the difference. The Chargers hold on. They end up winning this one 28-24. Uh, to 24. Last thing I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll kick it over to, to Red on this one, but the uh, the best player on the field defensively in this game was a rookie, and it was Tuli Tui Pelotu from, from out of SC. He was wow. awesome. I think he had four or five pressures. He had a sack. He could have he could have had three sacks. He's It's one of those ones where he generates the, the carnage and everybody else gets to kind of clean it up, but he's moving around. I mean, he has been playing like gangbusters. He is a really, yeah. really good football player. 
Um, that's awesome to hear. Uh, I love getting those little rookie reports, you know, on guys that, you know, maybe not getting a ton of buzz like elsewhere or otherwise. And you, you find that they're making an impact on the game. Um, here's what I'll say on the coaching decision. If there was anybody, and I'm going to talk directly into the microphone, that was surprised that Brandon Staley went for fourth and one from his own 24 there, you have not been watching the Chargers. Uh, I, I mean, like that was the mo- the least unsurpri- the least surprising move uh, from a head coach that day. Now, you know, you could certainly take some issue with the way that they went about trying to convert that fourth down. Uh, and look, credit to the defense for making it stand up, you know, amidst uh, some definite uh, anxious moments there. Um, so I was not surprised uh, that he ended up doing that. You know, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if it ended up biting him. I mean, that's just one of those things. If you're going to, you're going to live and die with it. It's like, look, if you're going to hit 16 on blackjack, you're going to hit it all day long. You don't just pick and choose when you're going to hit it. You got to go for it. Right. Each time you're going to hit, you know, 12 versus two, you got to do it every time. Hey, uh, you don't just pick as and long, choose. As long as as long as you're not on an NFL business-related trip, then you don't, you don't go in there because we don't know. Do uh, we're just yeah. talking generalities here. We're just, just talking genera- talking strategy. But, just but let, me ask, let me ask you this first, and then you, you can you can get in on the uh, on the decision making here. But to DJ's point about the Vikings, you know, with a ton of cover zero, cover cover one in this game. At what point and how difficult is it for a defensive coordinator to midstream kind of flip the script? And look, we talk about adjustments. Everybody's making adjustments. But if you have game planned and if you have this is the way we want to attack the Chargers. And now all of a sudden you're going to how difficult is it to truly in game kind of reverse course that way? If this is what you've been working on in a week of practice to say, hey, look, Keenan Allen's flipping cooking us over here. We got to do something different. So how hard is that? Well, I mean, it's hard to do it in game, but I, I guess it depends on what was the goal of the game going into right. it. Like, what did Brian Flores really want to take away? Because I'm looking at the numbers, and yeah, they had 475 yards, but at the end of the day, I mean, he gave up 28 points. He gave up a touchdown a quarter. They were in the game the entirety of the game. It was 14-10 at halftime. They're there. Um, I'm sitting there looking at third down. They're 5 for 11 on third down. I mean, Justin Herbert had an unbelievable completion rate, like yeah. 41 or 40. I mean, that's crazy. They averaged 9.1 yards per play, but they didn't allow him to run. They forced him to play a one-dimensional attack. And then from an offensive standpoint, they controlled it. You know, it's it's tough because statistically, you'd be like, man, you gave up so many yards on the air. But if you asked them, they had the game the way they wanted it. They were still right there at the end of the game. And so we talk about points, not yards. I can see where Brian Flores is like, the strength of our team is our back end. I'll put it on our yeah. back end to hold up. And Keenan Allen had a bunch of yards and they did that. But at the end of the day, they still had a chance to win the game. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a fair point. I'll add uh, a couple other things on that, though. Um, if you look the week before Tennessee, look at look at the difference in third down with what Vrabel and their group did against the Chargers versus they obviously played a totally different style of game. Now the difference also being that Jeffrey Simmons didn't in playing in, in Minnesota. So that's that's the difference. They don't they don't have they don't have a pass rusher outside of Daniel Hunter. Like I know yeah, you got yeah. Marcus Davenport and those guys, he but was Daniel hurt. Hunter's the yeah. only one. And so you don't have you don't have a way to generate it. So all of their pressure has to be manufactured. And so you're trying to quicken the clock. You're trying to see if you can bait Justin Herbert into that like a turnover. But Look, man, Brian Flores, and we know, like, he comes from New England. They'll use those snowflake game plans, something that is unique and creative and and different. They tried it. They had the game. And if not for Kirk Cousins throwing up, look, a, a, an untimely – Try to jam one in. Yeah, they clock it. They go there. If they win the game, 
Who's to say yeah, that you don't celebrate? No, that was two two goal line stands though at the end of the game. The Chargers yeah. had two of them. And the the uh, on on the Viking side of things, let me give you some good news on the Viking side of things. First of all, uh, their offensive line is beat up, um, and they're not great to begin with, in my opinion. I'll say Cousins hung in there. Cousins got the snot kicked out of him in this game between Bosa and Tui Pelotu. Mac was back there. Sebastian Joseph Day was hitting him all game long. He got he got peppered uh, in there. And I I'll, I left the stadium thinking another thing too. Jordan Addison, guys, you know mm-hmm. we all liked him coming out. He is going to be very good. Like it, it's it's going to be. He's going to be – they're going to have 1,000-yard receivers every year. It's going to be J.J. doing his thing, and he's – Jefferson was unbelievable. He he was a yard shy. He was 149. He goes 150. He would have been the only receiver in NFL history to go 150-plus in each of the first three games of the season. He missed it by one yard. So he was right there. He was awesome. Uh, But but Addison is smooth and fluid. His ability to get in and out. Um, cousins trust him. Buck, he's toe tapping on the sideline. He looked like you just sometimes you watch these guys, you're like, he looks like he's been playing this for 10 years. Like he is ready. <laughs> DJ, there is no assembly another, required. Another example of route runners being coveted at a premium. Uh, yeah. you think about Kevin O'Connell and what they wanted. They wanted someone that could compliment Justin Jefferson. They wanted to have interchangeable wide receivers that could win their individual battles on isolation routes and do all the creative stuff on the route tree to be able to create these big plays. Jordan Addison can do that. And for me, I think it has to change the way that we evaluate wide receivers. We can put the clock, the stopwatches to bed. Like it's about your ability to stop, start, get open, create all the stuff. And we need to see you at the combine and at your pro day, really run routes to get open because the athleticism is great. But man, the guys that are able to do it with like tactics and technique, they have an opportunity to do it in a major way. How about my dude, Jake Bobo, by the way? We'll get into that. We, I don't think we're hitting on that game, but kind of yeah. fits that bill too, you know? We'll get bonus. We'll get some bonus stuff, but I'm going to transition Buck to his easy here because we talked about this a few weeks ago. I feel like I love it when we get a chance to be a little bit ahead of the curve. Do you remember when we talked about the little dudes and we're like, look, Calvin Austin's had a good camp. Tank Dell's had a good camp. Jordan Addison's had a good camp. Like all of a sudden, Tutu Atwell had been making plays. Like we're like, mm, we've been kind of, we've been kind of like, ah, you're too little. You're too little. It's too small. Mm-hmm. It's like, Hey, Buck, we get to Tank Dell in the game you were at, but he he had a phenomenal game and score another one for the little dudes. Yeah, score another one for the little dudes. But this game, to me, DJ, like, um, it's one thing to go through your, your, your pre-draft stuff and, and we talk about it, and I feel like maybe sometimes we spend so much time talking about it that maybe you lose a little bit of your natural feel for the prospect because we're on TV, we're going back and forth, we're trying to create different storylines and different angles. But I'm going to say this, C.J. Stroud is as good as we've talked about he is as advertised. And I know during the run-up to the draft, there was a lot of conversation about other stuff that kind of clouded his evaluation. RIP R- R- the S2, by the way. Uh, thoughts uh, yeah. and prayers to the S2 test. Yeah, D- DJ, like all this stuff clouded. I'm telling you, when I'm watching him, this dude looks like a 10-year vet in the pocket. They have four offensive linemen missing. The Jaguars are trying to heat him up, and he never flinches. He only got hit four times. But he is delivering dime after dime after dime. And we talked about in the run-up to the draft about him being maybe the most natural passer and thrower. It is effortless to the point where when you talk to the coaches for the Jaguars, but they're like, man, this dude is, I mean, he is legit. Like, we better get him now because in a couple of years, he is going to own it in terms of like how he gets it. I mean, this dude is he, he's so good. And at the end of the day, you talk about Tank Dale. Tank Dale hits them. Look, the game, it's like a 10-point game. 
and it's a, it's a zero hitter. It's third and five, and they bring all the pressure. Tank Dell escapes, and CJ calmly, coolly hits the layup. I mean, perfect pass. Oh boy, and he just does it over and over again. And afterwards, D'Amico Ryan's and everyone's talking about, oh, we got the right quarterback for us. The mm-hmm. players believe in Brevin Jordan, their team. We talk about franchise quarterbacks giving guys hope. He's that guy. I mean, look, I'm looking. He, three passers have only started their career with like 900 passing yards. He's that. He's one of three to do it. DJ, he has no interceptions. We talk about ball security. He doesn't turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. For a young guy to play behind a, a hodgepodge of mess to not turn it over, seriously, he's a really good player. Can I can I add one thing on Stroud here? Then and Rhett jump in here. Um, by the way, this the, the score. If you don't know, thirty-seven to seventeen, the Texans got all over the Jags. Um, this is one thing in scouting. I think this is a good lesson in scouting. Every every evaluation is an individual evaluation. We talk about in the past, don't scout the helmet. In other words, like don't just yeah. give a guy a grade because he's at a big mm-hmm. school versus punishing a guy who's at a small school. But also, don't don't grade a current player on the sins of a past player at the same position. They're all different. They're all unique. Yeah. You can't say the Ohio State quarterbacks lump them up together and throw them in a barrel. Mm-hmm. They, he is so different than the other guys. He's different than Dwayne Haskins yeah. was coming out. He's different than mm-hmm. Justin Fields was coming yeah. out. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll pull up the report because I was curious. I want to go back and look at it. Uh, uh, Stroud, pure natural thrower, outstanding production, has desired arm, uh, size, arm, uh, and decision-making for the position. Decision-making, a big point in there. Not a dynamic athlete in a setup, but he always throws off a firm, strong platform. Smooth delivery, throws a beautiful tight ball. He can layer the ball over linebackers and under safeties. Puts a nice loft on deep balls, making life easy on pass catchers. His issues arise when he has to move and reset and deliver the ball, and this causes his accuracy to suffer. Uh, the impressive college football playoff, playoff performance against Georgia is a notable exception in this department. He's a build-up speed runner where lanes open up for him to take off. Overall, Stroud is definitely more of a shooter than a scorer, a Bucky phrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will have success, provided the pieces are in place in front of him and on the perimeter. And, I mean, just it, it was the most natural throwing session at the combine. I remember saying that this specifically saying I've never seen a more natural throwing such I've seen guys throw harder I've seen guys throw farther I've seen guys make more throws on the move this was just this ball requires this velocity and pace he puts that velocity and pace on the ball it requires this amount of loft he puts that amount of loft on it Buck he's pure he, he is a pure pure thrower man so you know DJ when you call in the game you get there early so you get a chance to see those guys go through so doing warm-ups like he goes that pre-warm-up where it's just him and the quarterback coach and whatever and DJ, the way that he throws and warms is the same way that he throws in the game. It is all their bodies around, but like it doesn't change. Motion doesn't change. Ball placement, none of that stuff changes. And there, he plays with like, I would say, a calmness to his game. That quiet. He never, he's real quiet. Never, never speeds up, never does anything, whatever. And I'm jaded because having known him since he was 16, 17, he's the same exact guy. He was the same player when he came through Elite 11. He's the same exact guy. And now he's just a little bigger, but... He has a maturity about him where you can just feel that the confidence is coming. And when they actually put real wide receivers around him, I mean, like high end, it's going to be a problem. I mean, it's really going to be a problem. 
Um, you guys want me to say something? I, uh, I was just oh, mesmerized watching this, the first quarter, second and seven deep ball that Tank Dell here. Um, I watched it about I was hoping times. you weren't just reading up on like what, you know, the Taylor Swift Kelsey thing. I don't know what you I watched it there. about 36 times since you guys were, were talking and it, it's, it's like a video game. I'm watching the end zone copy, like looking at Stroud, right? So from that end zone and the best part about this is the camera loses the ball. Mm -hmm. Like you can't see the ball, but what you can do is you can follow the trajectory of it from the shadow on the turf. Nice. And it's incredible to watch this. Like the way it, it, I mean, the natural release is awesome. By the way, Jaguars getting zero pressure, Um, but CJ's back there. I mean, I mean, perfect release. Right. And, and then the thing just goes at like, it curves right, like perfectly around Mm -hmm. the hash. And then like comes back right into the arms of Tank Dell uh, with a closing safety that, that it just beats. I mean, it's just it's like a thing of beauty. Um, I mean, I could sit I, I could sit here and watch it another thirty six times. Like it's and there was more of them like that, right? I mean, you had the deep deep throw actual touchdown later in the game to Tank Dell. I, there's a lot to like here about this young quarterback in Houston. He's only getting better. Um, can I just add one more thing here? Um, and Buck, just put a button on it with this, but. We'll get through the rest of these games here, or you know, these big eight games that we have. But I was thinking, okay, Trevor, man, he doesn't look like Trevor's playing great. We know Zach Wilson mm-hmm. has been terrible. Justin Fields is struggling. Trey Lance has already been traded. You know, Mac Jones has been okay. But that 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 was a draft that we were talking about maybe being one of the best quarterback drafts we had seen, yeah. you know, going back a long time. Man, it's not going well for that group right now. No, not going well. And, you know, speaking directly about like Trevor Lawrence, like there's something that's just off. And you know, there's a lot of conversation this week about Justin Fields and the kind of offense that he needs to be in and those things. And I'm looking at the offense each and every week that Jacksonville has put around Trevor Lawrence. It's all the stuff that he did at Clemson. They're bubble screens, they're shell crosses, there's things where he has. I think the hardest thing to do in our seat as evaluators is to be able to project how someone can play in something differently. You know, because yeah. you can have the arm talent, you can have the pedigree, the intelligence, the instincts and those things. But sometimes it still doesn't come together because that – Look, the NFL is fast. It's a fast league. Things happen. You got to be able to anticipate the with timing and touch and all that. And so it's just, you know, yeah. we, we'll see. He's been good, but you want more because when you're the number one overall pick, the expectation isn't good. It's yeah. great. And so that's where he's at right now. All right, let me take you guys to the Packers-Saints game at Lambeau Field. And for about three quarters, you were like, all right. Saints are going to roll home here with a big road victory. 17 nothing, right? I was following the score when I the game I was at and I was yep. like, "Oh, that one's over." 17 nothing, Derek Carr goes down. Now, ordinarily you'd be like, "All right, that, you know, that was that was the turning point there and it might have been, but James Winston actually came in and made some big throws in this game and the Saints actually had a chance to win it with a or go ahead with a field goal at the end uh, and they couldn't get it done, but this game is about Jordan Love. This fourth quarter was about Jordan Love, who in this game throws his first career touchdown pass at Lambeau Field, and in doing so, leads the biggest fourth quarter comeback at Lambeau Field in Packers history. All the way back from 17 down, and mm-hmm. we'll go back to the last two drives here, because that's what I was most interested of, and when his best was required, he gave his best. Fourth quarter comeback here, the big plays from Love on the first touchdown drive, third and 10, down inside the red zone, 12-yard throw to Jaden Reed, middle of the field versus drop eight coverage. I mean, like he's patient, he waits, and bam, as soon as Reed uncovers, ball right on him, 
there in business. And then they, they have trouble getting into the, getting over the goal line here. And then it's down to fourth and one. And like, this could be the game here. And love takes it himself. Jukes a defender at the goal line. He's into the end zone. First career rushing touchdown. Let's go to the next drive. He's got a scramble for 24 yards, tiptoeing down the left sideline that gets the drive rolling. And then, and when you watch the tape of this play here, this Jaden Reed uh, explosive play that went for 30 yards, you watch the tape, you see him manipulate. The, they got a one high safety. So he manipulates that post safety for the Saints with his eyes. You can see the safety dart to the right uh, or to the to the left of the offense. And then and beautifully, Love comes right back, throws a dime to Reed, who's outstretched, makes a perfect catch. By the way, it dropped a couple in this game, and he wasn't the only one for Love uh, earlier. And I just, you know, it was fantastic. So 30 yards there. Then on third and three, he's got the back shoulder fade ball to Romeo Dobbs. That's essentially the game winner. Um, there's just, there was so much there in those last two drives where you're like, all right, mm -hmm. Packers are going to be in good hands, Buck. Yeah, the Packers are going to be in good hands. And uh, I think we've talked about this. I know DJ and I talked, I'm sure Rep, we've also mentioned it. I feel like in a way, and this is going to sound crazy, but I want to make sure I, I give it its proper context. I felt like Aaron Rodgers' departure was addition by subtraction for the team. Meaning that once you remove the crutch of having the four-time MVP, it was going to force Matt LaFleur and this team to play differently and play in a style that I believe is better for them when it comes to the postseason. A little more complimentary football, a little more reliance on the running game, uh, uh, a quarterback that is now playing within the system as opposed to him being the system. And in time, because they drafted well over years, I feel like this would be a team that plays much better than everyone expects. We're kind of seeing some of that. We are also seeing something that we never, look, we talk about, but it never happens. When the young quarterback sits down and has an opportunity to acclimate to the league, sometimes it is for the betterment of their development. And we're yeah. seeing that with Jordan Love because he didn't have to rush onto the field, despite what we all did when we tried to make those early predictions on whether he could play or not, the patience that they exhibited in terms of waiting before he got on the field, is being rewarded because now he has a better feel for the game. Hey, DJ, just real quick, uh, before we get this back to you, Packers without David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Christian Watson is yet to play this year, no Aaron Jones in this game, and no Jair Alexander on the defensive side of the ball. And yeah. they find a way to win. I mean, that's five top dudes on your team right there. Yeah, it is impressive. And the other thing I would just add, that it's, Bucky used, I think, the word rare. To me, the 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 cool thing for Jordan Love is he's a first-year starter, but he's not a first-year player. He's got he's got a lot of his skill players are younger than he is, who who are guys yeah. that have – he's got – All the tenure. receivers. So he's actually – he's already established himself. He can come in and be a leader as a first-time starter because – He's known everybody in the organization in the building for several years, and he's he's mm -hmm. been there longer than all the guys he's playing with on the perimeter. So he's already got credibility and leadership established where most guys, that's all a big storm swirling around at once. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. Now I'm trying to establish myself as, as a leader and, and trying to learn. It. Like No, he's already got a chance to have that foundation laid, and now he can not only be a, you know, a first-year starter, but a first-year starter with some uh, you know, with some leadership qualities there. So yeah. it's a, it's worked out beautifully uh, for Brian Gutekunst and the Green Bay Packers, how this whole thing has come together. Um, so a big win for them. Yeah. Uh, the Packers keep rolling. They win 18 to 17 over the Saints. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, Titans-Browns, what, uh, what we saw on that one, uh, including one of the best defensive performances we've seen this year. We'll get to that right after this.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, guys. Uh, let's jump into this one. This was a thrashing. Uh, mm -hmm. This was not a good matchup for the Tennessee Titans, who have an mm -hmm. offensive line that has holes and has issues. And they ran up against, really, in my opinion, the most talented defensive player in the NFL. TJ Watt, you can make cases, is on track right now with Micah Parsons in the discussion as well. Both those guys are playing great. Nobody as a rusher is as skilled, has everything at their disposal like Miles Garrett does. And that was on display in this game. Uh, they had no answer for him. Uh, he was he was just completely dominant. Three and a half sacks, forced to fumble, five quarterback hits. I went back and watched it. Um, you know, the plays circulating on the Internet, you're seeing everywhere with him moving Emotion. side to side and the tight ends are following him, which is kind of hilarious. Um, but his his speed to power is unlike anything that I've seen just in terms of how dynamic and explosive he is. I posted a couple plays, his first two, three steps up the field. And when he transitions speed to power, it's a wrap, man. Like you are on roller skates. Nobody's anchoring that. He just throws tackles. Poor Dillard. I felt bad for Andre Dillard. That's a rough one for him uh, trying to stop that charge. It's not going to happen. Uh, but Jim Schwartz has this defense rolling. Um, and Jim Schwartz, you know, I think he had been consulting with the Titans uh, after he left the Eagles as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure he knew he knew what the issues were there and he was able to attack them uh, very, very specifically. But that, but two takeaways from the game, that one and, and Buck, I'll get it to you after this, but I, you can go either way, any way you want. But that was the first one was Miles Garrett. Then I was like, you know what, Deshaun Watson, gosh, I, I look at the box score. So then I'm like, I want to watch the game and see what I discovered. Mm -hmm. So as I'm watching it, I'm sitting here thinking, OK, this he's like two different players. When, when what we've said in the past is, I don't know how great this offense fits him. So I'm like, you know, I'm watching mm -hmm. it and I'm, and I'm charting and I'm like, you know, I need to go to PFF afterwards and see what these numbers are because this is what stands out to me is he is infinitely more comfortable in the gun, no shotgun. I mean, no no play action. He's yeah. different. A lot of quarterbacks prefer the play action. It simplifies looks. It gives him, it gives him more space and depth. He, he has always been more comfortable in a catch, rock, and throw gun attacks. What he did in college, it's what he did in Houston – under center play action doesn't it's not him that's not who he is not what he does best so i'm watching i'm like okay let me go pull up these numbers and uh, you can do it pretty easy here so when they were on play action and it wasn't bad but on play action he was uh nine of 15 okay he had a touchdown nine of 15 for 112 yards but he was set he took three sacks uh there so nine of 15 took three sacks um 112 yards and a touchdown. Now let's go to non-play action, which again, most quarterbacks like play action. On non-play action, he was 18 for 22 with a drop included in that. Should have been 19 for 22 for 177 yards. Uh, he had a touchdown, no picks, no sacks. Like that is, at some point in time, they, they, they got to put it together of like, okay, I know what we've done. And I know if I'm Ke Steven, uh, Kevin Stefanski, what I'm comfortable with. That's not him. He is not a play-action quarterback. He's not an under-center quarterback. Put that dude in the gun, and as Buck, as you like to say, it is spread and shred. That's who Deshaun Watson is. So if you go back and we talk about the quarterback, that's how he's played his entire life. He didn't play under-center in Clemson. When you look at the best of Deshaun Watson going back to Clemson, it was shotgun, ball out, 
RPOs, quick game, quick rhythm thrower, let him go to work. When you go and you think about what they did in Houston with him, it was shotgun, spread it out, give me the matchups, I'll figure it out. DJ, that's him. And what you're seeing, and it's a great observation by you, he's a much different player when he's under center than when he's in the gun and doing what he's always done. Will Kevin Stefanski and that crew be able to say, hey, guys, I know our playbook is built around these things, but the player does this stuff well. And it's the hardest thing for any coach to admit, man, I love all this stuff. I, I spent all offseason drawing up all my stuff. But my players do something different. Yeah. They, they, they play better doing something different. You got to meet him where he's at because they're going to need him to play at his best and playing at his best is in the gun. And it's not, it's not even, and it's not even yeah. like play, just play action under center buck. Uh, he's in the gun. If he's in, they use some pistol, they use him in the gun, ride play action, pistol play. He's not, he's not comfortable in any of it. He's just better. Just put him in the side saddle, go empty, whatever you got to do. Just let him take a three step from the gun, Rhett, and let him you know, pick and stick there. I, and look, it's it's about time that they start to figure out, right, what he wants, what he does well. I mean, like it's, you know, I, I know they haven't played a full season yet, but he'd been around now for a while. Like he hope mm -hmm. they can build on this. Meanwhile, for the Titans, like, I mean, I'll ask this, uh, I'll ask this to you, DJ, and then we can we can move past this game. But is there a team with a smaller margin for error offensively or really team wide than the Tennessee Titans? Like oh, if man. they can't dominate on the ground with the King, with Derrick Henry, it's over. Like yeah. they just, they don't have Bro, the Spears in there too. I mean, that's, the he, those, yeah. those are their two players, Ty J Spears and Derrick Henry. And it just feels like, you know, at some point are we like, okay, this, the way we are currently constructed is not going to allow us to find sustain, sustained success much longer. Like I think after this year, you know, I'm going to be looking at some, you know, some pretty significant roster changes. Well, I think Jim Schwartz watched that tape against the Chargers too and realized, look, they hit two home run balls on the Chargers when yeah. the Chargers just got caught when flat footed. And and Jim Schwartz like, nah, that ain't happening. You gotta have to yeah. march the ball against us and we're gonna and this is not gonna happen. You're not gonna give that up. I got three yeah. points. Um, so and the Cleveland Browns, look, that that's a great we talk about scheme and player. I don't know if there's a better fit. You know, when you look at Jim Schwartz with the personnel that he has, it's it's a really, really good fit there. Uh, Buck, we teased this game at the top. We talked about it at the top. We couldn't avoid it. Um, but we can go a little deeper if you'd like here on the Dolphins' uh, 70 burger they put on the Broncos. Uh, go this for is it, what, Buck. What do you got for uh, us, bud? <laughs> no, nah, this is what everyone wanted to see from this offense when Miami McDaniels took over. So what we wanted and what we thought we were getting from the Miami Dolphins when they, they hired McDaniels, we thought we were getting the Kyle Shanahan running game. Okay, so now the first year we saw a spread attack that was built around Tua and Tyreek Hill and the fast mm -hmm. guys outside. So you have, we just talked about building your passing game around what the quarterback does well. So Mike McDaniels did a great job of taking, hey, Tua does a lot of quick rhythm shows. We talked about him being like a, a, a blackjack dealer at a Vegas <laughs> casino. That's yep. what he does. He can get it out or whatever. So now they've been able to take that pass attack and then begin to put some of the Shanahan running game with it. And when it comes together like it came together on Sunday against the Broncos, Ooh. it is a problem because both things present different challenges to the defense and the defensive coordinator. Obviously, Vance Joseph and the Broncos couldn't stop any of it. But it is a difficult uh, set of concepts and, and, and things to defend. And when the Dolphins have it rolling, good luck. Because to stop the running game requires you to play a certain weight on defense you may have to play more man-to-man -to, -man to stuff the box, but you play man-to-man -man against that track team that they have outside. You're inviting them to bust the clock on you in the passing game. 
I'm waiting for the team to crack the code on how to defend this team. But right now, 2023, I don't know if there's a better offense that we've seen in the Miami Dolphins. I, I mean, I think we were always kind of waiting. Like, all right, we know they've got the speed, right? We know that that Tyreek and Jalen, when he's healthy, that they can roll and they can push the ball down the field. They can run those deep overs. I think Tyreek Hill was in the scouting report for the Broncos this week, although they sure did leave him uncovered. <laughs> on that first drive. Um, and obviously that was a bust. And so they got issues there, but I, I felt like we were always kind of waiting, you know, for what we knew was possible with a Mike McDaniel led run game plan. And man, I, I don't know that you will ever see. And this is the first time we've ever seen it. 350 plus passing 350 plus rushing in NFL history. Now look, they're not going to get that every week, but if you're talking, this team's capable of 200 on the ground and 250 in the air every week. What do you what do you take away, DJ? Well, I, I I was just looking up some some numbers because I was curious on this, and uh, I can swing it I can swing it back to Buck quickly on this one. But you know, comparisons often we look at body types first, and that's the comparison that you make. You can have a similar game in a different body, and just mm-hmm. just off of this, I'm just taking obviously this the the Tyreek one's deeper, but we'll get to the A chain one here in a second. But if you look at it, the closest thing to Tyreek Hill that we've seen in the NFL, I mean, is Randy Moss. I mean, they're totally different body types, but Randy Moss played at a different speed. And Buck, you saw him. I mean, game breaker. He, yeah. he was just different. He, he looked different than everybody else that you play. You watch the games every week. He's different. He's faster than everybody. And then you look at that same Vikings team. You remember in the backfield, they had Robert Smith. Now, Robert Smith and A-Chain and Devin A-Chain have totally different bodies. But I'm like, in some weird way, Robert Smith was a track star uh, yeah. at Ohio State, I believe, is where he, mm-hmm. where he went yeah. to school. So yeah. you've yes, got he was. a track star running back and and the fastest receiver in the NFL. In some ways, this this kind of this looks a little bit like the old like Minnesota Vikings, that offense that took the league over with Brian Billick as the offensive coordinator back on those teams, Buck. Yeah, you're not going to talk about that. Raheem Moster also has a very accomplished like track background. So you just talk about yeah. the, the 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 speed um, that they have and how they can attack it. But yeah, A-Chain gives them a different dimension. It's one of the things, you know, DJ, when we were doing the evaluation and I'm looking at the running backs. And so you look at all the other guys, you look at Zach Sermon, and you see him fly, <laughs> and he's just hammering Dwayne McBride from UAB. Just the, the, and then I was like, I was like, oh, okay, let me put the text in. And he's like, whoo, yeah. all over the, yep. all over the place. And it's, Whatever. And then you realize, like, oh, he's light, though. And the Dolphins mm-hmm. have found a way to put him on the field and allow him to uh, be an effective weapon despite his size deficiencies. And it's a problem. Just the speed overall. And we've said it. Uh, the number one thing that you have to have, like, we can talk about size or whatever, but you want a fast team because fast teams create big plays. They create turnovers on defense because the speed is everything. And the Miami Dolphins have assembled a world-class track team. And because of that, uh, they wanted teams to be feared. Can I ask you? Can I ask you one question? I, I'll go to Red on this one. Um, do you put the for sale sign up in the yard if you're Denver? Do you say, "Hey, you know Simmons, maybe maybe uh, Sertain, just say, "Hey, I would do Sertain. We got to we got we to re- reboot this thing." I wouldn't do Sertan. He's a building block, right? Like you got to have something, right? That you can you can hang your hat on. But I I feel like at some point here, you know, you'll start to look at those receivers, right? Judy Sutton, you know, are are, are they? Are they already they put that for sale else? sign up. Yeah. They didn't get any yeah. nibbles. I, I'm talking about real assets. I'm talking about real dudes, and say we are going to take this down to these studs. I, it's, yeah, it's, it's that's funny. Did you hear Sean Payton's comments about uh, trying to win the off season and? 
all the other stuff. Like they had a team that was trying to win the offseason and they spent so much time worrying about that that they didn't necessarily build a team. I mean, he he definitely is firing all shots. I mean, he, yeah. he, he kind of threw the management team and everybody under the bus about the construction of the squad, but they're not a good squad right now. And we can put it all on Russ for a minute, but it's, it's beyond that. You give them 70 points and you play hey. the way that they play. It's more than just Russell Wilson. Why don't you reunite? Uh, why, don't you, why don't you have Joe call uh, call Sean and see if we can reunite Hackett with uh, with Russell Wilson again? See if, <laughs> see if, see if that'll work. Have like I mean, eighty five. Have like eighty five. What like ninety million dollars on the quarterback room? <laughs> I think that would go well. So, um, but yeah. anyways, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I don't know who the player would be. I don't know who it would be, but I could see. I just like, sir, yeah. Hey, I mean, run yeah, run to the bottom. Uh, yeah, you're, I think you're on the right track though. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get to the next one here. Uh, Rhett, are you up here? What do we got? Yeah. Are we talking Bears Chiefs now? Yep. Because um, this. Um, mm. All right. If you so, if you do one Taylor Swift pun, I'm going to kick you off the show. So just know that's not allowed. DJ, I I had planned to not mention the Chiefs. Okay. okay. Not at all. Because look, they did, they did what they do. They beat yeah. up on teams they're supposed to beat up on. They're far better personnel-wise, scheme-wise, coaching staff-wise than the Bears right now, and they showed it, and they yeah. proved it. So let's dig in on the disaster that is the Bears' offense here for a second. So I just kind of went in and wanted to see what, what this thing looked like, and I watched the first drop back from Justin Fields. He's in his own end zone, which, you know, isn't a great start. Um, <laughs> but he actually makes a really he makes a really good play. Like he gets out of some trouble. Like he is scrambling for his life out to the right, makes an, a pinpoint throw, and they get like a 10, 12 yard gain, get and get some breathing room. And I watched the second play, and the right guard gets absolutely destroyed. And mm. Fields, you know, is in trouble, like from the jump. And it wasn't even Chris Jones, right? I, and and so then the third play, KC has to deal. They have, they have four guys ready to tackle what essentially is a two-man route combo, both guys going vertical down the field. Nobody open. Nobody open. Fields throws in DJ Moore's direction, but they got no chance at it. It's essentially a throwaway. And he's getting pressure, by the way, because he's holding it, waiting, waiting. Nobody's there. All right, next play, he gets good. This is all in like the first quarter here. And I was like, all right. Please don't do too much more. This is, this is painful. I, just, I, I know, but I'm just telling you, uh, gets good, gets good protection. Another two man deeper route combo. Again, no shot. Like they keep challenging it deep down the field with two guys, and there's nobody in the middle of the field for high percentage completions. I mean, like the third and six, third and seven, and they've got these deep routes well covered. There's nobody challenging the sticks. Like nobody. They're sending a little delay out to the flat, like at the end, but in the fields, are just sitting back there. He's a sitting duck. And it's just like a microcosm of that, you know, 10, 12 play sequence sequence that I'm talking about, like a microcosm of what we're talking about here, like for the whole game. I, I, I don't know. Part of it's on Justin. And like everybody takes a piece of the blame here, I think is the ultimate conclusion. Such, it's such a crazy thing to watch. I mean, I understand his challenges and those things, but just the level of ineptitude from this offense is beyond belief uh, from personnel to scheming to just the execution of the quarterback and others. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And to come off the week that they had when everyone is talking, all the conversation, and that we knew they were going to face man. That was a bad – that's a bad week for them, and that's not the opponent you want to face coming off no. a really bad week. Yeah, yeah Usually you find refuge in between the white lines. No. And, and, and they, not when they, those white lines are narrow. Yeah, and they, got, and they got beat to sleep, and I don't know where it goes. They've lost 13 in a row for the first time in franchise history. Uh, they don't have any confidence as a team. I, 
if you're Matt Iberflus, I, I mean, I, I don't know even know where you start, you know, like trying to figure out how to how to pick up the pieces on this team, on the offense, on the quarterback. Man, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. The weird, the weird thing is like, yo, if you wanted to make a change, like, where are you going offensively? Like, if you're saying like, it's not working with Luke Getze, you know, like, all right, now what? You know, Mm -hmm. I I feel like it's taken this long to get to this point, you know, Mm -hmm. where like you've been trying to find like, all right, just give them some time to get used to each other to figure things out a little bit. I don't know. I don't know that they, there's an easy solution here. I don't think that solution comes till the till we're in Detroit for the draft. That's when that yeah. solution comes. Yeah, and we'll see. You know, we'll see who all is who all is left there. But this this current mix is not good. Um, I can't even spend any more time on this because this is okay, just like it, it, it's painful. It, they're they're and there's a reason why the uh, the Jets Patriots is not and on. I don't, our you know what, DJ? Game. I don't think they can shake it off. You know, I just don't oh, think they can. It's so bad. It's so bad. I <laughs> I thought you, I thought you were, <laughs> were going to go somewhere else. I thought you know if they just, just love to see them just get to seventeen. You know, can they just? Get, oh I mean, my gosh! Uh, <laughs> all right, that's why I said no. I didn't want to go down that road. Uh, but that's also why Patriots. So for those that are listening, going, is he going to break down Patriots Jets? No, because I didn't want to subject myself to having to watch that. I didn't mm-hmm. see the game. I was at another game this morning. I have so much time. There's games I want to study. There's things I'm curious about. Out of respect I, for the game. I can't do. I can't do that. I didn't want. I just didn't want to spend my Monday morning watching that. I couldn't do it. Um, all right. The uh, the Sunday nighter. Uh, yeah. Steelers beat the uh, Raiders twenty three to eighteen. Uh, Rhett, I'll let you get back on the yeah. decision here because we've been. You know, I think we have the the numbers, the odds. You can uh, read those off here in just a minute. Yeah. On McDaniel's going for it late, which was very curious to say the least. I'll just say this: a couple things. Yep. Kenny Pickett. I thought he played well. I thought he Same. trusted his eyes. I thought he he threw the ball well. I thought it made sense what they were doing. They mixed in some screens. Um, they took shots down the field. He just looked like it was, uh, I don't want to say screw it, but it was just kind of, he was just like, you know what? Just, I'm just going to play. I'm just going to sit back here. I'm going to hit my back foot. I'm going to trust it and I'm going to let it rip. There was no hesitancy. I thought there was a little, he was a little unsure early in the season in those first couple games. He just wasn't playing with confidence. And I thought it was just kind of a screw it type game. He was like, you know, I'm, no, I'm going to take my shots. Wherever, wherever they are, I'm going to use my legs and create, which he did, uh, which I love to see because he's really athletic when he gets on the move. Uh, yeah. I just thought I thought he did a really I thought he did a really nice job with their defense. If he plays just that, that's the bar. He plays at that level. They'll be a playoff team because the defense yeah. is so good. Yeah. And he used his athleticism uh, a little bit, too, on a, a number of plays yeah. where they kind of got out of the pocket and showcased that he can you know, actually make some moves. The throw downfield to Calvin Austin was awesome. Oh, like beautiful. That was a heck of a way to start the mm-hmm. game. Right. Uh, on that deep shot. Big uh, day for the little guys. Big yeah, day for the little there guys. There it is. See? Uh, all right. So this is courtesy of our, our buddy, Bill Smith, uh, who does a great job with all the analytics and research for us. And uh, you you put this in here on this email from Bill, who was talking about the win probability percentages based on the decision-making from Josh McDaniel. So let me just run through this, this first part to set the stage here. They had the ball at the 315 mark of the fourth quarter down eight. Right. So one score game needed a touchdown, two point conversion. Uh, they got a fourth and five from the Pittsburgh 29. They decide to opt for a Daniel Carlson field goal at that point, which they kicked and it was good. And I was like, you know what? At that point, all right, I get it. There's 315 left. Like, even if you mm-hmm. don't get the stop on, uh, you know, they get a first down, you're still okay. You have all three timeouts of the two minute warning. I understood, I kind of understood it at that point. Right. Then they actually get, 
you know, some good fortune and there's a penalty call, a leverage call on DeMarvin Leal. Uh, and so they actually get a personal foul, 15 yards, moving the ball down the field. They take the three off the board and they're trying to go get the touchdown. Well, then a whole nother minute comes off the clock and find themselves in another fourth and four situation, this time from the Pittsburgh eight. Mm-hmm. And they still opt to kick the field goal on fourth down. And so that part of it, like the second time doing it, I was like, okay, this, this feels like this might come back to, to bite them. So here's what the win probability did. Uh, essentially, Josh McDaniels lost 5.4% of win probability by deciding to kick the field goal on fourth and four with 225 to go. Uh, if the, uh, the win probability with the field goal was just 8.5%, um, mm-hmm. if they would have gone for it, the win probability was almost 14%. If successful on the fourth down, the win probability is 26%. If unsuccessful, 3.5. But the conversion probability was 45%. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the that's math, the part the math, that makes He was sense not with me. the math on that one. Yeah. And by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo was under constant duress in this game. Obviously. Well, Jermaine Illuminor is yeah. not, he's, that's not a great matchup with TJ no. Watt. Let's just, let's just be, I'll be nice about it. I'll leave it at that, yeah. Buck. No, and if, if for the Steelers, it's just another way that they, they they find a way to win ugly, and they just stack enough wins until they find their stride. It's another ugly win. Defensive kind of defense kind of led the way. You write about Kenny Pickett being able to just kind of find enough plays uh, on offense in the passing game to kind of keep them going. But Mike Tomlin typically finds it out, figures it out, and as long as they continue to win these games in whatever fashion that they can win them in the first half of the year, we know they're going to be a much better team down the stretch. Uh, barring any injuries and so they go they're two and one sitting at the top of the afc north with baltimore all right last last game we'll jump into here and then maybe a couple nuggets here at the end but um i want to start before i bucky jumps on this game i look i try to live my life with proper morals and integrity and when i screw up i'll tell you i screwed up i've done it a million times on players i've screwed up on but I thought this was a slam dunk, foregone conclusion that the Arizona Cardinals would have the first pick in the draft. They're going to yeah. be the worst team in the league. And all they've done is be competitive and then yep. go out and knock off what had been the most dominant team in the NFL and the Dallas Cowboys and, and did it in pretty convincing fashion. Um, so, Jonathan Gannon, please accept my apology. Um, uh, Monty Austin Ford is a good buddy. Please accept my apology. You have... Put a team on the field that is competing their rear ends off, um, and there's uh, they get the fire know, in the gut. I think the, we all, the, yeah, the, we all the fire is in the gut. Uh, I to me, so that Buck, you can go in on this game whatever way you want to go, but I just wanted to f- issue a formal apology and say I was ro- I was wrong. You guys have put a competitive product on the field, and it's more than it's been a good product uh, through the first three weeks. Yeah, good product. Josh Dobbs, how about that? Josh Dobbs gets his first win of his career as a quarterback seven years into the league. He, he finally gets it done. Did some things that I don't even know if we saw him do much at University of Tennessee, running zone reads, getting outside, playing with a lot of emotion and firepower. But this is a team that is kind of scrappy. I didn't expect them to be scrappy. Like, And sometimes we can get bogged down by the, I would say, awkward presser the awkward initial press conference or the awkward behind the scenes stuff that we saw in Jonathan Gannon, but whatever it is that they're selling in the building is working. Team plays hard. Team is competitive. They were able to get a dub against, uh, I mean, to get a dub against the, the Cowboys. Cowboys had been crushing people. I mean, they I mean, crushed the giants. They crushed the jets. And, yeah. and, and, and so they figured out they're playing just well enough on offense, not messing it up. 
And then defensively, they were able to kind of get it done against the Cowboys team that should have been able to just go up and down the field at will. Yeah. I mean, Ibid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just kind of shocked, you know, at watching the whole thing unfold. And I guess, we, you know, maybe, you know, the way they played the Giants last week, and maybe we shouldn't be. But um, I, I think that this team will definitely – they may not win a ton of games this year, but they're going to give some people trouble. Is probably the best way that I yeah, can. They're, 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 they're not laying down for anybody. And yep. Cowboys continue to have issues, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, in the red zone. That has been a bugaboo. It continues to be an issue for them. They've got to get that resolved and get that fixed. I would also say, you know, one of the one of the storylines that maybe we didn't pay attention to in this one is that Jonathan Gannon's been in Philadelphia. He's very familiar with Dallas. Mm-hmm. He's very familiar with their personnel. Um, yeah. And maybe that played a part in here as they were able to get a big win. Um, all right, through some of these other games real quick. Um, uh, I, I'll just run through them. If there's anything else you guys want to add, Patriots, Jets, as I mentioned, it's Zach Wilson. It's not working. It's there's no, no nothing else needs to be said. It's like to me in high school, if you're failing Spanish two and you drop the course so you can pick up a teacher's assistant class, and two weeks later they throw you back in Spanish two. You're like, did I, I don't want to be in here. I already failed this. <laughs> I, I dropped this class. What are you doing? Let me let, let me just let me just uh, help this teacher grade some papers over here. Like, what? Do, I don't yeah. want to do this. Uh, yeah. But they've got to figure something out there. The Bills and the Commanders, well, that was a butt kicking. The Bills, thirty-seven to three, all is right hey, in Buffalo right now. Bills defense, that's I think that's for real. And you know yeah. what? I know they lost Tremaine Edmonds in free agency, but that linebacker core might be better this year with Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano. Yeah, he can Bernard was too. incredible uh, yeah. this last week. And then uh, Colts Ravens, maybe one of the bigger surprises on that one, Buck. Um, the Colts. Uh, with Gardner Minshew, they go, and I know the Ravens are missing seven starters. Nonetheless, that is not an easy place to play, and that is a rivalry they take seriously in Baltimore uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, that's yeah. a big win for the Colts. Yeah, big win for the Colts. Gardner Minshew finds a way to kind of make enough plays. Now, he also has some bonehead uh, blunders that he did, it, but they were over, over, able to overcome it. But how about the day for the kicker, uh, being able to knock it down, being able I to get four from 50 plus. 50. I mean, that's unbelievable, like, to have a long-distance kicker. So you never really like kickers until you need a kicker. The yeah. uh, Indianapolis Colts certainly have a greater appreciation for the kicking game. No one loves competing and playing football. I, I can't say no one. There are few who love competing and playing football as much as Gardner Menchu does. Like, the joy yeah. that fun. that dude plays with is awesome. I, w- I would also add one more thing on those guys. Uh, they got after the passer a little bit with their defensive front. Um, let's see. Zaire Franklin had a sack. Ebu Cam had a sack. Quiddy Pay is going to be a good yeah. player starting to come into his own. He had one. Taven Bryan had one. Um, so they, they did a nice Jaguars job. Up pass? Front. Taven Bryan? I know. How yeah. about that? Good plan. Taven uh, Bryan, yeah. yeah you're listening. Be honest with yourself. Did you know that uh, Taven Bryan was playing for the Colts right now? <laughs> be honest. <laughs> be honest out there. Um, first round pick. Yeah. yeah, last one. I didn't see any of this game, so I can't comment on it. Um, but Panthers, Seahawks, the uh, the Seahawks win that one 37-27. Either of you guys catch any of that one? I uh, caught the stiff arm that Zach Charbonnet uh, put on a Panthers unsuspecting uh, member of the secondary uh, on his way to the end zone. Uh, Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker essentially are the – that's the way they want to win. Yeah. And they're going to beat mm-hmm. you up doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's old school. It's old school for them. It's Pete Carroll, and it's the way that they want to play. They want to beat you up. They want to run it. They want to play defense, and they've been able to do it for a long time in Seattle, so no need for them to change it. Um, all right, guys. So this is uh, this was fun, man. Went through We went through a bunch of stuff today. Uh, I always love it when we kind of get in some of those deeper discussions as we're able to do. Uh, yeah. Really enjoyed it. Uh, you know what I'm doing? I'm off to go buy a tuxedo because my daughter's getting married in two weeks. 
Two and weeks. Two weeks. Um, wow. She's getting married. And so I've got to, uh, I, I was going the rent buy thing. And I somehow convinced myself that, you know what, there might be other big, big events. And uh, then I'll never have to rent a tuxedo again. Wow. It would have been a flaw. my help could, for this? Could, could be flawed thinking. I know. Rhett's my, he, is my, he is my clothing consultant. <laughs> you need me here. Um, I'm going to be at Nordstrom in about <laughs> two uh, hours. If you'd like to meet me down at Fashion Valley in San Diego in two hours. It, make sure unfortunately, I'm, I'm it'll take me three states. to get there. So, quick quick uh, question. Quick poll for the group here, for the panel. Um, tuxedo. We go long tie or bow tie? I mean, you want to be classic or you want to be okay. a little bit more like polished modern? Uh, polished modern is going to send you with the with the tie. Okay, uh, I think I think I think James Bond style. You got to go with a bow tie, dude. Like that's that's classic. the only Ooh. way. Yeah, yeah you got to go. Yeah, Sean Connery. I would expect you to be very uh, debonair and dapper. Yeah, sure I can see you as a as a bow tie guy. I think. Okay, I feel like I I don't want to be the person who's trying too hard. I want to be a properly uh, uh, aged. Uh, apparel 45 I years old i think i good. think i think the shoe game is really more important make sure we get we have some nice shoes gotta like get the out. shiny tux i think there are are you going are you going like a shiny are going, black are you going with the patent leather you're going with the patent leather joints make sure you get a good nice nice good so set. would you go leather over the shine then well oh no no but i'm saying but like if you're gonna do it you got to do it the right way don't don't have those yeah. joints. just make sure they're looking good yeah yeah, yeah, but nice answer me the question. Like, you know what I'm talking like, do they need to be like, oh, really, yeah. like shiny? Like, you can classic see look like is the shine. Yeah, you got to have yeah. the sh- yes. you gotta gotta see your face in them. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. And, 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 bow tie. and, I, 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 you need to practice your, like, like that first dance and all that other stuff. You got to get yourself ready. No, the best I'm, part about it, you know, the best part about that, I'm glad you mentioned that. My daughter did me a solid on that. And she was like, look, I, you know, it's kind of it's kind of a weird part of the wedding is that everybody's just staring at you doing the 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 father daughter dance the first dance all she's like so she cut the songs down to a minute so she's like hey that's hey we're we're that's a couple of these one, one person twirl, a chorus and we are done one twirl and then boom let's get on with the show here so that's uh, that's big but yeah can you believe that might yeah she's twenty two years old she's getting married uh, in two weeks so it's busy fall for me over here okay yeah, buddy very, very busy holy smokes. Yeah. Yep. So I'll say I'll let you guys know. I'll send you a text if I go bow tie or regular tie. I think I'm leaning towards the bow tie. I think I like that more of a classic age appropriate yeah. look. Yeah, you're gonna be in good okay. shape. All right, I appreciate it. Uh, if you have, if you want to weigh in on that, go ahead and send us uh, send me a tweet yes. on that. Let me know. Leave what us you a think. review. <laughs> we appreciate that in the <laughs> review. Yeah, leave us a rating and review and let me know if I should wear a long tie or a bow tie. Um, uh, appreciate it. All right, we got plenty more coming your way this week. Four more episodes. Be on the lookout for those, including number one thousand. The thousandth Move the Sticks episode, uh, that's going to be coming your way, I believe, Friday is when that's going to air. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, Anyways, we'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Psst, there's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell. To saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, Platinum status is earned with 12 fill-ups over three months, 10-gallon minimum per fill-up at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com status.